Moses, arguably one of the most significant figures in the entire Bible. Author of the Torah, mouthpiece of God. Leader of God's people and synonymous with God's law. Yet he was just an ordinary man. Everything we see in scripture about Moses is merely the story of God's power on display through his faithfulness in the ordinary moments. Hebrews 11.27 says, He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Moses, ordinary man, extraordinary God. We begin today, Moses, I believe, apart from Jesus, um, has had the most impactful, significant um, impact on all of the world throughout history. Uh, other than Christ, I, I think that's Moses. Here's what God said about Moses, Deuteronomy 34. There's never been another prophet in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land. With his mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts all in the sight of Israel. Okay, Moses was the great lawgiver who led God's chosen people out of slavery from Pharaoh and the Egyptians, Moses was born to Jewish parents who were slaves. So that's how it all began. And we're going to look at that today, how it all began. He was educated in the king's palace. He was heir to all of Egypt's wealth and prestige and pleasure. Okay, He was a remarkable man, Moses. Uh, led the children as they wandered for 40 years. Uh, he was the man that God chose to deliver the law and deliver the Ten Commandments, a, a really great and treasureful thing that God allowed Moses to be the one who delivered it. Moses' story is found in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And uh, I, I found this interesting. Moses is mentioned in Scripture over 700 times. Uh, I'm telling you, he's all over God's word. Now, according to Acts chapter 7, Moses' life can be divided in three 40-year segments, okay? Uh, here's how Pastor Chuck Swindoll describes him. He says, the first 40 years, Moses was nursed by his mother and taught in Egyptian schools. The next 40 years, he was in the desert, nursed by solitude and taught by God. Final 40 years, he was with the Hebrew people in the wilderness, nursed by trials, discouragements, and tests. 40, 40, 40. Here's how D.L. Moody described Moses' life. He said, uh, Moses spent the first 40 years thinking he was somebody. He spent the next 40 years learning he was a nobody. And he spent the final 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. 
And it's a pretty powerful life we get to look at. So for the next sum, uh, 11 Sundays, uh, this is our summer series, we're going to look at the life of Moses, ordinary guy, extraordinary God. He, he, he really was greatly used by God. Now this morning, we're going to look at the very beginning of Moses' life. We're going to look at a pretty ordinary birth which was followed by some extraordinary protection by Moses' parents, by his big sister, and by Jehovah God. So would you locate with me Exodus chapter 2 in your Bibles, on your phones, second book of the Old Testament, second chapter of Exodus. And uh, if you'll just allow me for the next minute, I'm going to set the scene. Okay, so... I'm going to tell you, before we jump into Exodus 2, what led up to what we're going to study here this morning. First of all, the nation of Israel had been in Egypt almost 400 years by the time Moses was born. Uh, they fled famine, uh, and they were taken in by Joseph, recall, their brother. Okay, And he rose to be prime minister in all of Egypt. Well, in chapter 50, verse 26 in Genesis, Joseph dies. And the next Pharaoh, look at chapter 1, verse 8 of Exodus. The next Pharaoh didn't know anything about Joseph, didn't care what Joseph... He, he really could care less that Joseph had saved the bacon of all of the nation of Israel and all the Egyptians. He didn't know he didn't care, so a brand new line of pharaohs, okay? So he's looking at all of the Hebrew people, and he's intimidated. He's pretty sure that this nation of Israel, the Hebrew people, they're so big, they're so many, they're so healthy. If they would riot, and if they would join a, a conquering army, they could just literally destroy us, or they might join in. So... The next pharaoh decides, I'm going to show you who's boss, Israel, okay? Uh, and it says, chapter 1, verse 11 in Exodus, that he literally works them to the bone. He's going to wear them down. But it says they continue to thrive. The more harder work he gives, the bigger and stronger the Israel people were. Even though the Egyptians were ruthless and mean and awful, they just kept getting bigger and stronger. Okay, So since the brutal treatment didn't work, Pharaoh comes up with an idea. I think instead I'm going to order the midwives, those who are delivering the Hebrew children, you kill all of the Hebrew little boys. That's the order. Just kill them. But... The midwives feared God more than they, than they did Pharaoh. They refused to obey the king's order. So chapter 1, verse 22, Pharaoh says, Okay, if the midwives won't do it, I'm going to put the order out to all of Egypt. Uh, the soldiers, the common people, I want everybody to report because I want the Hebrew boys killed. Okay? I don't want them overthrowing us. And he orders them, I want you to take the little Hebrew boys, the Israeli-born boys, throw them into the Nile River. And by the way, if you didn't know, the Nile is known 
for having large Nile crocodiles. So that's really what he's saying. Throw them, throw them to the snakes and the crocodiles in the Nile. Would you please stand with me? That's the background, if you're able. And let's read out loud together about the ordinary birth and the extraordinary protection at the birth of Moses. We're going to read verses 1 to 4 out loud together. Here we go. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for recording for us the life of Moses. And I'm praying, Lord, that today and for the next 11 Sundays, you'll help us to learn and grow uh, from all the things that you've recorded for us, just as you intended. And I want to pray especially right now because uh, there's some folks here today in the building. There's some folks watching online. Uh, and life isn't going well. I pray for those who are lonely, for those who are hurting. I pray for those who are in a painful season of trouble and trial. Would you help us, Lord, to notice those folks around us? Would you help us to pay attention and love and care and support one another? And now, Lord, as we dig into Exodus chapter 2, we invite your spirit, the third person of the Trinity, we welcome you today. Come on and take charge today in your church. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, nice job, you can be seated. A couple ways that uh, Moses' parents could deal with with this situation, okay? Uh, Dad's name was Amram. Chad said, I've never heard of anyone named Amram. Have you? Anybody know? Uh, Mom's name is Jochebed. I don't think I've ever met any Jochebeds either. Anyway, Amram and Jochebed were mom and dad of Moses. So now they've got the king's order, all the little boys, throw them into the Nile River. Two ways they could respond. First way, let's just curl up in a ball and quit and be mad and frustrated and just admit there's nothing we can do against Pharaoh's orders. I, I quit. I give up. Now I'm mad at you, God. And uh, how could you allow such an awful and evil situation to attack our family? So, so that's one way they could respond. Or... They can actively, courageously make a plan and in faith do everything they can to prevent this little boy from being thrown into the Nile River. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. Uh, we'll put it up here on the screen. Here's what it says about their plan. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid 
to disobey the king's commands. <laughs> Moses' parents, Amram, Jochebed's faith was active and courageous. Did you catch that? It was active. They weren't just going to sit and they weren't just going to cry and, and quit and give up. Their faith was active. Now, I'm sure that for nine months, um, they, they didn't know, is it going to be a boy? Let's pray for a girl. Then we won't have any problems. Um, they, I'm sure there were tears and anger and fear. Um, but as they worked through their emotions in faith, they did everything they could to protect their baby boy, Moses. No, we're, we're not going to allow him, as far as it depends on us, to be thrown into the Nile River. Here's the point. Give me your eyes. Biblical faith is action. It's a verb. Please understand. Faith isn't just a feeling. It's action rooted in Jesus Christ and his word. Biblical faith is action rooted in the living word and the written word of God through Jesus and his inspired book. Some of us here this morning are right now in the middle of facing some hard times. Some of us, truthfully difficult, painful situations. And some of us, truthfully, we're, we're thinking, you know what? I think I'm just going to curl up in a ball and quit. I give up, okay? Because it's often easier, truthfully, uh, to pout and cry and sulk and give up. It's easier to do that than to seek the Lord and do everything possible to deal with the situation. Because that's really the choice still for us today. Uh, am I just going to quit or am I going to do everything I can? And I'm convinced sometimes we just give up and quit way too early. We just give up. We throw in the towel. I'm angry. I'm bitter. Instead of Henry doing everything we can. Doing our part. Amram. Jacobed risked everything to try to protect their son for three months, okay? Very possible if they were caught with a baby that they've been hiding, very possible that the whole family would have experienced repercussions. Um, some commentators say if you defied Pharaoh and you were caught hiding a Hebrew baby at this point, maybe the entire family including big sister Miriam, probably about 10 years older than Moses, big brother Aaron, three, perhaps the whole family would be executed. But, but despite the risks and the potential uh, for trouble if they, if they were found with the baby, in the midst of cramped quarters, please understand, they're slaves. They weren't out on five acres and nobody's around. They're, they're crowded together in the Hebrew ghetto at this time, they risked it all. Put their lives, put their families on the line. They were going to trust God. That's what Hebrews tell us. Okay? Is it possible that you're here today and you're in a situation, maybe your baby's not going to be thrown into the Nile River, but maybe in your marriage, it's not looking so good. Maybe you're here today and there's family trouble. Perhaps there's trouble on the job. It could be you're in that same kind of situation as Amram and Jochebed. 
I'd point you to biblical faith. It's action grounded in Jesus Christ and His Word, the living Word, the written Word. Let me remind you, in Luke chapter 17, um, Jesus heals 10 men, okay? And He heals them from leprosy, and then Jesus requires them. He says, go, and then they were healed. In other words, it took action on their part. They needed to believe Jesus, and then they were healed. When we find ourselves in a painful, scary place, we see, pray, cry out to Jesus, Lord, show us, give us wisdom, give us direction, and then at the same time, you go and run and work your tail off and do everything you can on your side. It's, I trust you, Lord, and now I expect there's going to be some action required on my part. That's exactly what you see in Moses' parents, okay? They trusted, they sought wisdom, and then they did all they could do to keep the baby quiet. First thing we learn, Moses' parents, their faith was active and courageous. Secondly, we learn their faith was creative and sensible. Look at verse 3. Here's what it says. But when she could no longer hide him, the baby, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and with pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen. Okay? This is very practical. Babies get to a certain age, and they don't just sleep all the time, do they? They get louder, they get more active, and that's what was happening here. The baby was louder and more active, but she still wasn't going to quit, Jacobet. She wasn't going to give in, okay, uh, just take him out and throw him in the Nile River. She wasn't going to allow that to happen, okay? Best she could, um, she was going to do what she could. And note the ingenuity, note the creativity here, okay? It says, Jacobed fashioned a whisker, a, wi a whisker, a wicker basket and waterproofed it with tar and with pitch, okay? Um, the basket is the same word that we get for ark. The only time that word is used is with this basket and with Noah's ark, Interesting. So she's building a little ark for Moses, okay? And, and I don't know about you, but in my head, I see her. She's got some hay in the basket, maybe some soft cloth for her little baby boy to lay on. And then, this is key, she strategically places the basket at just the right spot along the Nile River, okay? It says she found... Uh, some place where there were reeds, and I believe she found the place that she knew the princess came with her attendants to bathe. I think she knew that was the place, and she picked that place out specifically. And I think she knew the days that the princess would come, and I, knew, I think she knew what time of day and the exact place. I'm going to put this basket right here, just, just close enough where the princess is going to know uh, that something's up. So I believe her faith was wise and informed and strategic. 
Okay, she, she didn't just make the little ark and take it out where the current was strong and push out the little, the little basket and say, Oh, dear God, watch out for my baby. Amen. That's not what she does. She, she is very clever. She's very uh, strategic. She found the right place. She knew the right time of day. She knew where the princess bathed. And she was within, the baby was within earshot when Moses would cry and make a fuss, okay? And then, look at verse 4, she sends her daughter, uh, Moses' older sister, Miriam, about 10 years older, to watch over baby brother in the basket, okay? Now, uh, I'm convinced Jochebed then did some coaching with her 10-year-old daughter, okay? Now, when, when the princess comes and, and they've opened up the basket. I want you to go down there and don't act like you know the baby. Uh, pretend th this is a strange baby. And I think she coached Miriam in exactly what to say when the basket was found. Okay. Jacobed's faith was clever and strategic and sensible and creative. It really was. And I think the Lord, as she prayed, showed her exactly what to do. Now, here's the truth. Some of us, we're in a bad situation, fearful, frustrating situation. Here's what we need to remember. The one who spoke the universe into existence is our friend, okay? We know the one who's the creative genius behind the Grand Canyon and Little Travers Bay. Uh, we know personally the one who taught tulips how to push up through the ground and then show off at this time of year. We know the one who, who all, all the flowers in the world, he's behind. We know a friend who arranged the hundreds of billions of galaxies, each galaxy containing hundreds of billions of stars. We know the one who spoke all that into existence. He's our friend This sticks closer than a brother. He's our ever-present help in times of trouble. Jesus is our rock, our strong tower. We know the giver of grace and mercy in our time of need. Okay? So if that's you today, what do I do? How to go to him and say, Lord, you know my situation. Would you be willing to give me creativity and help me to know what to do and how to do it? And I'm going to trust you, Lord. Make yourself clear and I'll trust out, trust you and act that out. Help me, Lord, to be like Jacobed. Help me to be clever and strategic and sensible and creative as I trust you with this situation. Okay? First lesson we learned from Moses' parents, their faith was active and courageous. Second lesson we can learn is that Jacobed's faith was clever and strategic and sensible and creative. Third lesson we learn from Moses' birth is seen in verses 5. To eight. Here we go. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. A little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of those Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby sister approached the princess. 
think she was coached. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She says, yes, do that. Great idea, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Now, did the Lord make it clear to Jochebed? Yep, he did. But exactly, I think, how Jochebed rehearsed this plan with, with her daughter, it came about. Make it look like a surprise, Miriam. Don't act like you know the baby. And I'll be waiting. I'll tell you exactly. You come and get me. Um, so Jochebed was hoping and praying that her plan might work. And baby Moses will be saved. Verse 5, right on cue, right exactly where she knew the princess uh, goes this place to bathe at her regular time on the right day. She notices the basket. Yes. Okay. And the attendants go get the basket. Verse 6 opens the basket. There's a baby. There's a little Hebrew boy crying. And I like this part. And the princess's heart melted. <laughs> He's crying. He needs me. He wants me. Uh, this must be one of the little Hebrew baby boys that my dad has ordered slaughtered. Th this boy is not going to get slaughtered. No way. Verse 7 Right on cue, Miriam, Moses' big sister, goes right up to the princess. She speaks. She's rehearsed this with mom. Hey, um, would you like me to go find somebody to nurse that baby? Because that's probably why he's crying right now. Verse 8, sure, that's a good idea. So Miriam goes, quickly gets her mom, Jochebed, brings her back to the princess. Verse 9, here's what it says. Take this baby, she's talking to Jochebed, Moses' mom now, and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother, and I will pay you for your help. <laughs> so the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Now, now just imagine you being Jochebed right now, okay? Uh, she's having to force herself not to sprint down to the princess. No, walk slow, play cool. Act aloof. Princess says to Jacobed, take this baby, nurse him, and I'll pay you to take care of your own baby. That's a pretty good deal, right? So Moses' mother takes him home, nurses him, raises her boy as her own. Oh, and by the way, she's getting paid from the princess for taking care of Moses. And I suspect it was way more than minimum wage. So the Lord, here's the lesson, okay? The Lord answers Jacobed's prayer more than she could ever ask or imagine, Ephesians 3.20. So she prayed, Lord, might this, might this plan come together? But, but it's even better than she ever asked or imagined. I like how Max Lucado explains prayer in his book, Before Amen. He, Max says, sometimes the Lord answers our prayers instantly, instantly, just like here. Uh, the Lord, Jochebed, Amram are play, praying like crazy, and the Lord delivers and spares Moses, and now it's even better than that. I'm going to get paid to take care of him, and he's got a great future, more than I could ask or imagine. The Lord came through instantly. How many of you like instant answers? There's my hand with you. I'll put two of them up. <laughs> Max says, sometimes the Lord answers our prayers gradually. 
It's it's kind of okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna answer what you're asking for, but it's gonna be a slow motion sort of a thing, sort of an answer. Um, when Denise had her her injury in her mouth and she couldn't talk and she was in pain for ten plus years, I'm telling you, it was a slow motion healing. Okay. Uh, we went to a half dozen doctors. We went to speech and vocal clinic at U of M Hospital. She spent hours, hours doing her part, doing therapy every day for years. And again, I call that slow motion healing, okay? A gradual, slow answer to prayer. How many of you like slow motion? It's not, I don't think so, okay? I'm, I'm seeing that in year two with my eye. It's kind of a slow motion sort of a thing. So Max says, sometimes he answers instantly. Sometimes the Lord answers gradually. Max finally says, the third way the Lord answers our highest hope, ultimate healing. Okay? So sometimes you have to look beyond here on earth and you look to ultimate healing when the Lord is finally going to bring things together, okay? Even if Moses would have drowned in the river, here's, here's the thought with ultimate Even if the princess would say, no, get rid of that Hebrew boy. Um, Moses' parents were people of faith, and they knew that one day, even if their baby boy died, they'd see their son again. Just like David, I will see my son again, okay? So, if the Lord answers your prayer instantly, what should you do? <laughs> Praise him. Lord, thank you. And if you're in the waiting mode, you know, if the Lord is gradually answering, you keep trusting. Lord, uh, my suffering is something that other people can see in my life. It's my sermon. And remember, if it's ultimate healing, remember this world is not our home. Don't you think that's the issue? Sometimes we get too comfortable and we think we're supposed to get all the answers here, but we're just passing through. We're strangers. We really are. One day, listen close, Jesus will right all the wrongs. And we who know Jesus Christ will be whole and healed. That's the ultimate healing. And as followers of Christ, we need to be looking at that ultimate healing all the time. God's sovereign hand is written all over this true story, okay? Amram and Jochebed did all they could do, but the place of death, the Nile River, for Hebrew baby boys, the Nile River became the place of deliverance for baby Moses. So even though it was the place of death, now it's the place of deliverance. And Jochebed was able to raise Moses. Think with me. During his most formative years, most commentators say... She was looking at, after him for three to five years, typically when children would be nursed in biblical days. And she got to teach him about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jehovah God. Oh, and she also got a paycheck for watching her own son. Kind of cool, really is. We live in a world filled with storms. <laughs> and uh, we know sometimes the pressure is intense I need to remember, Lord, you have a plan, you have a purpose, 
I trust you. You know what you're doing. You've never failed me. You're not going to fail me now. Lord, I keep on trusting you. My faith and trust is in you, Jesus, and your living word. Final verse, verse 10. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Lifted him out of the water. Moms and dads, uh, grandmas and grandmas, do you think that was easy for Jochebed to walk? It says, walked her little boy up to the palace. Do you think that was easy for her to leave her little son behind? And the answer is no. It was awful. It was. But it's a reminder to us, give me your eyes, our children are just on loan to us. You know that, right? They're not yours. They belong to the Lord. And the Lord loans them so that we can build Jesus and his word into them for a short time. So Jacobin and Amram just got loaned Moses for a shorter time than for most of us. But they're just on loan. They really are. I like what Corey Tenboom says so clearly, and it reminds me. Corey said, I've learned not to grip on what I think is mine so tightly. That way, it doesn't hurt as much when it's time for the Lord to pry my fingers off and let it go. Three lessons. Three lessons for us to learn from Moses' parents here. Uh, first of all, Amram and Jochebed had active, courageous faith. They did all they could do, and then they trusted God and risked it all in a dangerous time. Faith is action. Second lesson, they exhibited a creative, sensitive, clever, and strategic faith. And you know what? God hasn't changed. He's still creative and strategic. And if we'll ask, Lord, show me what to do, the Lord is still in the business of guiding us and showing us his plan. Put Moses in just the right place with the basket, the little ark, in the best possible place for him to live. Third and final uh, lesson we learn here, the Lord rewarded Amram and Jochebed's faith more than they could ask or imagine. And do you believe the Lord's still up to that? Ephesians 3.20, do you think that applies to you? The Lord is still in the business of when we ask, given us answers that are more than we could ever ask or imagine. Okay, she got to raise him, raised in the best schools in the palace, fully prepared to be God's man to deliver his chosen people. Final verse, Hebrews 11.6. Here's what I would say to you. It's impossible to believe God without faith. It's impossible. You cannot believe God unless you're trusting and believing and taking action, okay? It's not just in your head. It's actually acting on what the Lord makes clear. Can't please the Lord without faith. In a tough, painful, terrifying season of life right now, can I, can I just point you to the Good Shepherd, okay? And, and I, I'm reminded of this section of the most well-known uh, chapter in all the Bible. But here's what it says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I'll fear no evil. Why am I not fearing? What's the next line? For thou art with me. The Lord's with you. He's with you, balcony. He's with you. He's with us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you for being awesome, and you always have a plan and a purpose, even when we don't seal it or even when we don't feel it. You're on the throne. You're in total control. So thanks for being awesome. Thanks for being our good shepherd. Thank you for not deserting us when life gets hard and painful. And I want to pray for the church family here, those watching online who right now are in the midst of trial and trouble. Help us to keep trusting in the living word and in the written word. Lord, help us to keep trusting in your son Jesus and your inspired book. Help us to hold on tight. And Lord, we even cry out now. Give us wisdom. Give, give us insight. Give us creativity. Lord, help us to be wise and strategic. I'd invite you, if you're here in person, make your way over to the prayer corner. They'll pray with you, whatever you're facing. If you're watching online, hit that prayer button. We'd love to join you in your struggle care and pray with you. Could be you're here and the truth is you don't know this good shepherd who never leaves us or forsakes us. You've never said yes to the one who walks with us through the valleys, the shadow of death. You, you don't know that person personally. D did you know that Jesus brings his presence, his grace, his peace, his hope to walk with us in our times of trouble. And he'll walk with you too. But first you have to invite him in. He's a gentleman. He knocks. And I think the Lord is knocking now on some heart's doors. And here's the question. Will you open the door of your life and invite him in? Jesus, I, I believe you left heaven the sinless glory. You lived a sinless life, Jesus. You took my place on the cross. I believe that. You shed your blood for my sin problem. Built the bridge to eternal life. Took my place, Jesus, I believe, in the tomb and early Sunday morning, Jesus, I believe. You literally, bodily, physically arose from the dead for me. Those are the facts. Jesus, I believe those gospel facts for me. But that's not enough. Now I open the door of my life and I invite you in. I receive you. I welcome you in. Come take charge. Be my savior, my king, my Lord. Jesus, be that good shepherd for me starting right now. I'm ready to follow you. You're watching online. Hit, hit. Hit that and we'll DM you and we'll talk to you personally. If you're here, make your way over to the prayer corner. We'd love to rejoice with you and get you started on your journey. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for being so good to Moses' parents. What an amazing beginning of life he had. We love you. We praise you. We worship you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.